How are we doing? Hope we are all well. It's me, Ryan Hartley, back for episode 57. Episode 57 of the Always Better Than Yesterday interview sessions. I hope that we are well. I hope we have a, uh, a wonderful bank holiday weekend so far. The sun has been here. It's probably all stored up in my forehead. Um, a little bit warm today in the office, but I will not complain. So um, just going to send a few invites out. Um, yeah, when you join the conversation, drop me some blue love heart emojis. If you catch up on replay, just drop the hashtag replay. Let me just take the time to appreciate you for taking the time out of your bank holiday weekend to to spend it with us. I hope that you're... Um, sitting nice and comfortably whether you're chilling out watching the sun go down with a the cider or whether you're chilling on the sofa with a cup of tea whatever you're doing let me know um and obviously if you're catching up on the podcast and replay then i hope you are also comfortable or maybe it's on your commute and i hope you're having a, a great start to your day but either way here we go episode 57 if this is the first time you've ever come across what i do let me just take 30 seconds to explain why. Uh, I'm a curious little monkey. I love to understand what really works for people um, it, from a mindset perspective. And when I say mindset, just simply the way that people think, because I think the way people think informs the way that people act and ultimately the results that they get. So that's why mindset's really of interest to me. And, I, and I've just really enjoyed having uh, 56 awesome guests um, to ask my curious questions of to help me learn what works for them. So that's um, that's why I do this, so I can learn. And in the spirit of making social media a place for social good, I'm, I'm sharing that via the power of, of social media. So here we go, episode 57. Really excited to be joined by Debbie John this evening. Um, Debbie is the founder of Play Healing, and I won't say too much because I'd love Debbie to, to explain about all what that is and her group as well. Um, so we'll dive into that in much more detail very shortly, um, and I will just bring her out. So yeah, I hope that we're well. Love it if you shared the stream. Hello. Hi. Can you hear? We are. I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? Nice. Okay? Yes. It's really good. Happy days. Thank you. Have you had a good day? Yeah, it's fab. Um, been to Cheddar Gorge. I've never been to Cheddar Gorge before. Mm. Rather nice, isn't it? Would you so, recommend it? Yeah. It's, especially on a hot day like this, it is just fabulous. Um, really nice to catch up with some friends and see the kids playing outside and having fun. So I've left early to come and say hello. Amazing. But, um, well, can you do me the honour and the privilege of introducing your good self and then just telling us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so Debbie John, 38, um, been married 17 years this week and wow. two children, 13 and 11. So yeah, just just launching out in a, in a bit of a new vein with a play healing. Cool. Tell us more about your, your journey. Tell us about what's led you up to uh, starting Play Healing. Awesome. Yeah, so I've been brought up in a really big family. So I was the oldest of six children. Wow. So able to uh, boss people around from a young age. But I had to take quite a lot of responsibility. Um, but I think that's what drew me to teaching. Mm -hmm. So I did... Hi, there. Hi, Lisa. Um, so I... Um, 
so I, I um, went into teaching, um, but through my years growing up, we had a very musical family. So we all played an instrument, jammed mm -hmm. together, and parents musical. Um, I was playing live at sort of 11 onwards in bands, first in the church, then um, being, I think my first function band was about 16. And I'd be going to like Freshers Weeks and dancing with all the uni uh, people and set up a business doing wedding music, drinking pims and playing, that was really fun. Um, and then my mum was a little bit unsure about, um, I, I didn't know whether I'd go into sort of classical or pop in the end, um, played violin as well as like singing and piano stuff. Um, so I took a year out and she was like, oh, the music industry is horrible. You don't want to do it. Are you sure you want to do music? Um, so I was like, well, okay, I'll go traveling. I'll think about it. And I really just missed the music. It was part of me. I'd been writing songs and expressing myself from a young age. Mm. And so, yeah, I went and chose to do pop music because I knew I wanted to get into some sort of teaching. And I knew the teenagers were not listening to classical music. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I, I like both, but I chose to do that. I may as well enjoy my degree. So, yeah, did that. Um, got married in the middle. And... Um, well, met some amazing people. So, so through that, met lots of sort of um, some famous people, not so famous people. My husband was really into music as well. So when we were going out, when we were early married, we'd be going out. We lived near London, so we'd go into London sort of three times a week to gigs and backstage parties and just hanging out and um, had the opportunity of working with like awesome producers who were doing like do you remember s club seven and mm -hmm. uh kylie he'd worked with and other people so really i loved the whole creative industry mm -hmm. um a bit scary as a as a young girl as well and i had this whole fear um of uh, things not turning out but yeah uh, so I drew from that and even when I was doing my teaching, got into secondary, I'd do like four days teaching and one day I'd go into London, record, um, work with some awesome people. So I just kept that passion alive for the music. Mm. And because um, I just believe if you're going to teach and train people, you've got to have that passion. And I'd come across too many teachers who either didn't like the subject they were teaching or didn't like children. And I was like, I don't mm. want to be like that. So, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, we're talking like 20 years of sort of working in music and education, the creative arts. Um, but three, three years, I um, went into family and youth work, mm -hmm. sort of a poorer area in Hampshire. So through that, I really discovered my passion for mentoring and coaching. And I was sort of thrown into working with really vulnerable, broken children. Hi, Darren. Darren is an amazing guy with, with PA and stuff. He can make anyone sound good. Hi, Darren. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so had a really, um, it was a real transition for me because even though I was, I was teaching, I've seen special needs go up, um, mental health um, issues coming up, rising up more and more. But I was then, um, because the, the school at the time were, was really stretched, they were giving me children that were, 
had really high needs. You're talking about someone who'd been gang raped, someone who's like self-harming, what's self-harming, all that sort of stuff. And um, so it th- I was thrown into this sort of world of, of being there, being present. And I, I quickly got myself a supervisor. Do you know, like you use supervisors in coaching, right? Mm-hmm. You know, someone, because when you're working with children, you just want to keep safe. You just, mm-hmm. you've got to be safe, you know, because children are impressionable. Um, you've got to make sure you're healthy emotionally and you can be completely present to them. And that's a, a sort of a space where you can offload all the sort of stress and any things that's coming up in you. So, yeah, I got a supervisor, but then after sort of three years, I thought, gosh, I need to, I just want that piece of paper. I want more deeper training in this. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of doing the sort of music therapy route, which um, maybe looked like a natural way, after all those years of working with children, I just, I didn't want to just narrow it down to music because, um, and I discovered something called play therapy. Mm-hmm. The play therapy has got, you can use music therapy techniques, art therapy techniques, puppets, sand tray, therapeutic story, creative visualization, awesome stuff. So you, you, you train in all of these areas and then the child can come into this environment where you keep them safe and they can explore, they can process using whatever means possible. Um, so yeah, and I, I just believe that children don't always they're not able to articulate how they're feeling they'll mm-hmm. play it out that's their language that's their language so yeah it was really crazy um but worked worked hard and worked really deep and sort of prepared myself as much as i could for for being as effective practitioner as i could be yeah i love that i love that and um it's an interesting concept, I think, play therapy. And I think that word, you know, play it out, really describes it in a, in a nice way. And I guess, what is it around, how does that link to this tech side of things that you're focusing on at the moment? How do, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I can talk to you about that. The, so through, sometimes when you, when you study something or you, you grow in an area, you find out what you love, but also what you don't love or mm-hmm. where you feel like things fit and where things are lacking. Um, and just with this technology, this, oh, it's just this digital revolution, it's so new, isn't it? We're the first parents bringing our children up in this digital age. And my passion is for prevention. Mm-hmm. So I find that when I've been working with people in a the therapeutic way, it takes a lot of sessions and a lot of deep work to, to, for the child to find that place of healing and with adults too, right? But if you can prevent things, if you can get in there early or you can just teaching, I, I am happy to share my story with the coaching side of things in a minute, but then you can prevent so much stuff going on that, that you, you're going to have to undo in the future. Mm. What sort of things do you, um, do you work with? What sort of... Uh techniques really help yeah so it's putting so i call it family frameworks so it's putting mm-hmm. a family framework in place if i backtrack a little bit i'm i've decided to go from the therapy side of things even though i've trained in all um into the coaching side of things because mm-hmm. it's um looking at the whole picture 
dealing with things holistically because sometimes I'm not saying every child and every situation but sometimes we we think if we put the child into therapy for an hour a week it's just gonna um, fix everything and I've found that when you have supportive parents there and you've got that buy-in and you're working with um, so what's it like at home how can we put frameworks in place then it's more effective I mean imagine you know, I'm working hard with the, with the child, the child's working really well, but they go home and they're just on their iPad all the time. There's mm. no interactional connection with the parent. Yeah. So we're not helping that child to grow and to develop emotional literacy or, or lower anxiety. We're, we're, we're putting them in a position where they could easily become addicted and they get that dopamine hit. You know, mm. when we found out about the brain, so the, the neuroscience behind things, it's shocking. The sci- you know, when you, when you look into science, um, what science is telling us, um, neuroplasticity, the, you know, there's lovely teaching on the three parts of the brain, things like that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you wake up as a parent and go, you know, this, this is something I, I just want to grow in here and so that I can, I can uh, prevent unnecessary harm to my child. Mm. When you say unnecessary harm, for those that are watching and listening and think that um, it's harmless, you know, having these little tech devices, you know, what is the harm, the way that you see it, in, the, in your understanding of? I, I mean, I work on a case by case basis, so mm-hmm. I don't make big sweeping statements, yeah. and I can't say how any parent should bring up their child. Of I course. think because. I'm trying not to, to make sure people know I'm not calling myself a parenting expert because, I mean, who, mm-hmm. who is? Like, <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> like on this crazy journey and it, it takes its turns, doesn't it? And you think you've cracked something and then something else pops up. You're like, ah, what am I going to do now? Um, ha- however, if we're all about helping a child to feel safe and helping a child to feel connected and conscious, and we, want, we don't want anxious children. We want children who can concentrate, children who can be present for others and, em- and show empathy to others. You know, there's some amazing things that technology can do and it can break down isolation for children. It can, it can help with connection. However, their brains, their brains don't even finish developing until they're 25. We, and we're talking about, um, it's like a social experiment. And... You've got very, very rich tech companies who can afford to play down some of the research that's coming out. Yeah. Um, so all I, all I can say is um, this is why I'm trying to stay independent and why I'm trying to make sure that I'm up to date with the latest research. But, you yeah. know, keeping a child safe online is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's um, making sure that we don't miss out on, on, on feeding that child with all the love and acceptance it needs to feel secure and confident as it comes into adulthood. Yeah. As they, it, as they, you know. Yeah, I think you touched on the word. It's the dopamine, isn't it? I think dopamine, the more I understand our, our responses to dopamine, I think the, the, yeah. the article I read once, basically once said that, giving a phone to a child is the equivalent of just giving them drugs and alcohol yeah. because of yeah. the responses the, that it has in their brain, which is yeah. powerful. It's a powerful yeah. image. And, and imagine if you're in this 
amazingly bright world where everything's flashing in your face and entertaining <laughs> you and exciting you. Yeah. And then you turn it off and it's like, oh, everything just feels a bit dull. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wh why would I want to just blow bubbles? And why would I want to talk to you? You're not exciting. You haven't got background music going on here. And we've got to think, how, how is it for the child? Put, put mm. ourselves in the child's position. Um, and yes, the, there is science to, that shows that dopamine is, is released in massive quantities and the brain can build up a resistance to it. So yeah. we're not just, um, I mean, I like the phrase everything in moderation, but, but mm -hmm. one, you know, dose of dopamine for, for one child might be different to another. It is, it's something that's still being worked out, but I'm determined to make sure that that parents can be as informed as possible and make yeah. conscious choices. Like if you've got a child that's suffering and struggling with obesity, would you put a massive bowl of sweets in their room and say, only mm. take two, only take two. <laughs> you know, we're putting our child in, in, in a position where then their brains have not, uh, yeah. you know, they're still forming. So regulation, things like that is still, still developing in them. Mm. Um, so there are some things just to keep our children safe that we do yeah. need to, to keep boundaries around, in, in yeah. my opinion. Because if they are left to their own devices, of course. then um, potentially we could, we could end up with addicted children and, and it could be prevented. And adults, because um, you know, we, yeah. I, I've learned a little bit about instant gratification and, and yeah. just you know the Netflix of our era. And and I was sat watching um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire last night, mm -hmm. and I just found myself getting impatient at the you know the one hundred, two hundred, three hundred pound question because I just wanted to skip. It's like yeah. come on, let you know, and it, it's like wow, even in in that short space of time, you know, growing up as an adult, you just it's amazing what you become used to and the speed with which things yeah. happen yeah you've got instant gratification but you've also got conflict and that is a really damaging area for children so if we if you look into trauma i don't know if you that mm. i've been looking into trauma a lot over the last few years and it can it can shape the brain and it's if you're arguing constantly about get off your device you know and there's conflict about how much tech time kids are on um and there's lots of shouting going on in the home, things like that. You've also got potential damage there. Damage not sure. just to the, the child's sense of safety, but also um, damage to, excuse me, oh, but also damage to the, 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 the relationship between you and that child. And it's all about connection, just all about how can we foster connection? How can we make that child feel safe? Mm. How do we make that child feel safe? It's, it's a good question. I think mainly, I think we need to take ownership again as parents, mm. ourselves, on our mental state. And it's what I've been working on so hard myself, and I still have a long way to go. Um, but ha and there's something called transference um, mm -hmm. that we look into when doing therapy with a child. And I know my state can affect the child in the therapy room state. I mean, imagine if you came for coaching with me and I'm like, so how are you today? Uh, how are you? Are, are you going to be all right? I'm, I'm like this. I mean, you'll be like, yeah. whoa, I don't know. What. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, yeah. you know, our state, our conscious, how conscious we can be, how present we can be with that child sure. is so powerful. And, um, and 
I know that if we can keep that um, accountability, get coaching yourself, get therapy yourself, make sure it's with someone who's trained, someone who has supervision, someone who's always looking to um, be at the top of their game as far as research. Um, Mm. Then, you know, I... I don't know about you. How, how did you ever sort of notice when you're with your child, your, your emotional state can really have a knock on effect in with, you know, your children oh, and how you doing? Yeah, hundred percent. It's this little model called Batari's box, which I think my attitude affects their attitude affects my behavior affects their behavior. And yeah, on a, on a, on a really good day, you know, it's just your, your chilled state will, will win. Um, my downfall is my impatience for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've. Um, Lisa just said about loving your kids on purpose. She mm. just, I just saw that little um, thing, and it's it's fantastic. I had the book says when the kids were a bit older, and when I listened to it, I was like, oh, I wish I'd heard this earlier. You know, the amount of mistakes I've made with my own children. They will, they keep me grounded. Let's just say that they're very good at <laughs> uh, sure. pointing out so, my weaknesses. But yeah, so tell giving us, uh... them choice is good. So tell us a little bit about the, the group you set up. What's it called? So I've started up the Building Connection in a Digital Age. And that's just a group uh, that I'll be posting with more content on, on this theme. But again, I'm trying not to bombard parents because they've got enough going on in their, their play at the moment. So but, who, should, who should join and um, why? That that's for, for, for mainly for parents who want to just know more about how to connect with their children when it's yeah. everything's fast paced and full on. Yeah. It's just encouraging parents. It's a community that I'm hoping to to build. I'm also putting content on the Play Healing page, and um, we're going back to school this week. You know, we've got the last week before going mm-hmm. back to school, so I've just. Um, launched a today some tickets for uh, an interactive hours workshop probably a bit more than that where there's outdoor play and there's introduction to the color monster all about um, learning about the primary emotions mm-hmm. um, you know with play healing with you know so playing it out kids don't always want to talk about how they're feeling if you sat mm-hmm. a four-year-old or a six-year-old down and said how are you feeling about going back to school? They'll be like, uh, yeah. yeah. But you might notice your child's starting not to sleep very well or saying they have bad dreams or um, getting angry or uh, little emotional outbursts more or more reserved or asking mm-hmm. you questions about school and things like that. So with, with all these, these little indicators of, of maybe some anxiety coming up or them just mm-hmm. needing a little bit more of attunement on your part. Have you, have you heard of attunement? Yeah, attunements. I love this, the word attunement. You can think about um, a radio tuning in, coming into their frequency. Again, it's, mm. it's really tough to tune into your child when you're feeling anxious yourself or stressed mm-hmm. or you're worrying about your finances or you're worrying about the next thing or you're cooking. Yeah, But it's just pausing, breathing, monitoring your own emotional state and just tuning in to your child for a minute, then they can feel heard and safe and more likely to just relax themselves or maybe open up. Yeah. As Lisa says in the comments, that's very familiar at the moment. It's certainly, um, yeah, you're describing some very similar scenes. Um, It's difficult. I think from a position of a parent myself is 
how much of for for us personally it's it's a case of how much is bad habit during the summer mm-hmm. versus um achievement being needed i guess yeah that's why i'm having to constantly work out yeah and and that is that's why i'm launching a mastermind like in september because i think there'll be some parents who've found um the children's behaviors or then things have come up during the holidays that triggered them maybe Mm -hmm. they've got more um irritable about certain things um not enjoyed their child's company as much as they thought they might have or really realize that their children have grown so much and they've got some catching up to do or they've they've gone through loads of tech during the holidays or filled lots of time with lots of tech and they're thinking how am I going to pull it back again how am I going to create this safe framework to move forward and give them the best chances of thriving at school so yeah that that's something if people want something more intense and in in when you do in a group it's going to be more affordable than just working on a one-to-one basis but yeah yeah, I'm really keen to, to support parents before you get to the crisis point you Mm. know this prevention better than cure idea yeah amazing my um my ethos is about being always better than yesterday and i'm just Mm -hmm. curious to know what that phrase means to you i was thinking about this and i came up with all sorts of things but didn't didn't feel right but i think just one word is is growth Mm -hmm. um i know that I've needed to grow in my marriage. There's a time when we hit complete rock bottom and we needed a lot of help. We had to have three months of life coaching, an hour each and an hour separately. And when you, it's all about baby steps. You've gone about baby steps. I heard a phrase this week, small changes, big results or big impacts. Yeah. yeah, and that whole thing of growth, sometimes we just have to tweak things. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart goes out to people who the day they're in is not as good as yesterday and they're, they're, yep. they've got some really rough stuff going on. But again, opportunities for growth, hey? Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing, love that. Um, how can people connect with you? Where can people find you? And who would you like to reach out to you? I'm really up for parents who want to want to be as conscious and informed as possible before their children grow up and it's you know they mm. it's out of their hands because they grow up so fast right I don't know about how you find yeah. I just want to support parents and, and help them to put things in place find the tools they need to to parent as consciously as possible yeah. and to find out the power of play I called play healing, play healing because I believe in the healing power of play yeah. and I want to empower parents. Love that. I love that. Uh, guys, girls, thank you for taking the time out this evening to, to spend it with us both. I hope that you've definitely um, found something that you were able to take off into your own lives. Um, and even if there's someone in, you know, there, there will be someone within your own community that, that this will resonate with. So just please think of them and just share it within their inbox. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to you, Debbie, for taking the time out this Sunday evening on a bank holiday weekend, coming home from Cheddar Gorge to spend some time with us. And um, I'd just be really grateful if you could share us a final thought from your good self. Oh, wow. Okay. I think just uniqueness 
I've taught for 20 years. I've had thousands of children, you know, interacted with, with hundreds and thousands of children. And every single child's been unique and had mm -hmm. their, their little thing. And to say that there's one size fits all is just not right. Yeah. And that we need to break out of the boxes of parenting a little bit more and find our own unique sound and, and, and style that brings peace, yeah. that brings connection and that empowers this next generation of amazing beings, you know? Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. What a final thought. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you all have a great week um, and I'll speak to you again soon. Much love, everybody. So much. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Bye.